week on Myths and Legends, it's a story from Armenia where you'll learn what to do if your brother is a secret evil wizard, how to win over some giants, and then how to get rid of all those giants when they inevitably betray you. The creature this week is what would happen if Big Bird controlled the wind and also ate corpses. This is Myths and Legends, episode 344. Giants, giants everywhere. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today, it's a fairy tale from Armenia. Not much history to get into, so we'll jump in with three sons, a dying father, and a secret. My sons, I am dying, the king said as he was dying. The three sons, first one, second one, and Mirza, were by his side. He had lived a good life. He had loved his queen and his boys and left the kingdom better than when he was born. He was dying beloved by noble and commoner alike, and he had done it with justice, fairness, and equanimity. My boys, I must tell you the secret behind my long, prosperous reign, the king said. His voice was so weak now, so weak that Mirza heard a muffled shout from, wait, was that coming from his dad's closet? As his dad was starting in with the basics of any multi-generational kingdom slash dictatorship, pay the army, and have a clear succession plan in place with backups, Mirza inched closer and closer to the door. What was... He opened the closet and saw the filthy, hairy man dangling from the chains inside. The father mustered his strength to sit up. Oh, (laughs) boys, meet your uncle. So, my older brother, he was an evil wizard, the old king said as the older brothers, first one and second one, nodded along. Mirza was still kind of horrified by the muffled screams behind the door. My parents didn't know what to do with him, and after they died under suspicious circumstances, I had to find a way to protect both myself and our people. So I traveled the world and found eight other wizards of equal power and chained him up in my closet. Best thing for everyone. Mirza couldn't help but hear the voice that cried out behind the thick door that that wasn't true. He just wanted his life back. Mirza tried to put it out of his mind. So there's our family secret, the old king said. All it would take was the king constantly sitting on the throne, lest the wizard uncle take power. That's why the king slept there. That's why he turned it into a toilet. As the king's power waned over the years, the uncle's resentment and rage grew. The old king didn't know what would happen when he died, but he trusted his three sons to rule. Hands gripped one another as the king breathed his last. Immediately, the old king was removed from his throne. It was freshened up a bit with a visit from the servants, and the oldest brother was coronated, then took his own seat on the throne. The kingdom had sort of an odd law. 
possibly from when the old king usurped the throne, but it read that whoever of the royal bloodline sat atop the throne, they would be king. That was how Mirza became king, at least for a few hours. He entered the throne room to find the throne empty. He listened, and somewhere off in the castle, he could swear he heard his uncle's chains rattle. Mirza leapt atop the throne, and the rattling stopped. What is this? The older brother said when he returned from his hunt. Mirza leapt up. Oh, good. His brother was back. He had to go to the bathroom so badly, and using the throne was weird. No, what is this? Do we have a usurper? The oldest brother accused. Technically, the law is that anyone who sits on the throne... Then Mirza stopped. No, no, he wasn't usurping. But didn't the oldest brother remember what their father had said? If no one sat on the throne, the uncle could be freed? The oldest brother said he didn't care. Mirza was not to sit on the throne, or else he would find himself chained up in a closet of his own. Was that understood? Mirza said, yeah, he understood, but that meant that the oldest needed to stay on the throne. <laughs> the oldest laughed. He could do whatever he wanted. He was king. Which was how, a few weeks later, he became not king. When Mirza heard the chains rattling again, he ran to the throne room, but it was too late. The men were already bowing down to the stinky, hairy man sitting on the throne. He had the wrist cuffs with the broken chains dangling off of them. It was a whole look. The uncle flashed his yellow and black teeth and looked down to Mirza, pointing to his guards to arrest the usurper. Okay, guys, like literally just this morning, you were serving us breakfast because I was one of the princes. You can't just listen to anyone on the throne. Why did we make that law? Mirza screamed out as the guards dogpiled him. Well, it's death, obviously, the uncle declared. The two older brothers were standing in puddles of tears at this point, begging the uncle to spare them. Mirza only glared. An advisor who did not possess the memory of a particularly forgetful goldfish stepped forward. He said that he had been there a long time. He served the uncle before the usurpation and cared for him in his imprisonment. These boys, they hadn't even been born yet when the uncle was captured. This wasn't their burden. He begged his once and current king for clemency for the boys. For exile, the uncle sighed. Yeah, okay. He would be something his brother never was. Kind. The brothers, the former kings, were exiled. The uncle likely knew that the boys did not possess the skills, intelligence, or general good sense to survive on their own in the wilderness. It was basically more of a drawn-out execution. He didn't know about the message. What are you reading? The oldest brother asked Mirza. Also, you can read? No fair. This is our father's last message for us. The seal said, break in case your evil wizard uncle takes back the throne. They were walking through the countryside away from their kingdom. They were armed, and they had everything they owned in the world on their backs. Hey, boys, if you're reading this, it's because my brother took the throne from you. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, sorry. I thought that might happen. Kind of good, though, right? You don't have to constantly watch your back or sit on that throne. Terrible orthopedics. It completely wrecked my posture. Anyway, I digress. Since you were exiled and not killed, I have some advice for you to not die. Uh, don't lodge in a ruined mill, don't camp on a green meadow, and don't resort to the Black Mountain. Okay? Bye! Mirza turned over the paper, 
Nothing. Well, that was disappointing. It was also disappointing that he was, apparently, alone. After the message, the brothers just took off and ran. Hey, I found a place for us to sleep tonight, older brother cried out. Mirza caught up with him and the middle brother by the ruined mill. I don't know, I'd say it's more defunct than ruined, older brother said. Middle brother said, yeah, it's it's a fixer-upper. Mirza said he understood older brother didn't want to keep traveling, but this was pretty clearly exactly what their dad was talking about. Yeah, and dad left us with an evil wizard uncle that got us exiled, so I'm about done with dad. Also, I'm tired too, middle brother said. So, against Mirza's better judgment, they unpacked, built a fire, and settled in. The older brother took the watch that night, and ten minutes in, when he was snoring, Mirza sighed, stood, and went on patrol. Older brother stretched. Oh, that was a good night's sleep. He meant watch. Yikes. Up. They survived, though. Then he felt his... uh, everything. What is this? Why is there goop on all my stuff? Middle brother woke up next, licked his lips, and retched. Ew. Mirza, why'd you get goop all over everything? He looked, Mirza, why'd you bring in a beheaded dragon? Ugh. This is why we can't have anything nice. Mirza sat, eyes wide, and covered in more goopy dragon blood than either of them. It... it was a dragon. It came in the night. He... he killed it. It had seven heads with seven jewels on each head, and he had to shoot each head with an arrow, and then cut off each of the seven heads before the seven heads bit him and killed him. So? What do you want? A medal for killing, like, some little lizard? The brothers shook their heads. They all did that sort of stuff, like, all the time you don't get dragon gunk all over your brother's sleeping bags. That's just rude. Rude, middle brother repeated, pointing at Mirza. He shook everything out. Gross. The brothers got on the road with the still-shaken Mirza trailing behind. It's hard to get sleep after a dragon with seven fiery jewels in its seven heads emerges from the night and you have to fight it to the death, screaming out for help while your brothers are in so deep a sleep they don't even hear you. They continued on that day toward... something? They were exiled, so presumably they were leaving the kingdom and trying to find a city or at least a town in which to live. But for now, they were just walking. At least, that's what Mirza thought. The older brothers had a destination in mind, that green meadow in the distance. Mirza, still picking crusted dragon blood from crevices, asked them, were they serious right now? Really? A green meadow? The brothers said it was a nice night, so it would be good to sleep under the stars, and frankly, Dad should have been more specific, because like, all meadows are green. Mirza told them that, after the night he just had, somebody else needed to keep watch. The middle brother laughed. Okay, little coward, he would keep watch all night. We'll see what visitor arrives in the night, but that will be right after this. It's officially time to kickstart your holiday shopping. But no worries. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for 
everybody on your list. It's going to be great. We've got parents and in-laws, not to mention cousins, a few teenagers in the mix now, plus friends in a couple of different circles. Good thing Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Like this, which we are gifting early, a 12 days of hot sauce advent calendar, brilliantly made in Pennsylvania and featuring the hottest little sub two ounce bottles of hot sauce behind each door. We all have that one friend that would love an oh my garlic or zombie apocalypse sauce on everything. Well, this is the perfect gift and I am now an Uncommon Goods believer. They just knew. They also knew that we would like this copper sculpture of a family reading. Had to get it for our bookshelf, and I loved learning about the maker. Catherine Murphy in North Carolina, thank you for your handmade craft. See, when you shop Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and independent businesses. You're getting high quality and meaningful gifts. From art and jewelry to kitchen and more, Uncommon Goods has something for everybody, including uncommon experiences, too. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com legends. That's uncommongoods.com legends for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Little brother snored on his watch. Typical. Mirza hadn't gone to sleep because, well, he knew something like this would happen. That his brother would fall asleep and put them all at risk. He acknowledged that his father had been vague to the point of frustration in the message, but also to call their stops like that and have a seven-headed dragon attack them at a ruined mill? There was more to this than coincidence. Mirza gathered his arrows, strapped his sword to his side, and went on patrol. And sure enough, He saw her, but he felt her first, because the earth trembled with each step. She was a giant. The story tells us that one of her lips touched the sky while the other one touched the ground. So, strong lip game, I guess. That's really all we know of her. Oh, and she was terrible at whispering and apparently had no inner monologue. Three tents, but two men sleeping. The third was probably carried off by wild beasts and killed without the other two knowing. She whisper shouted to herself. If she leaves my brothers in peace, I won't attack. Mirza talk whispered to himself and then swore. Ah, now he's doing it. The giant knelt down and touched the brother's ears. These are sleep rings. They will keep you asleep no matter what. Sleep now, strange little men, until I send my seven sons to devour you. The giant said for some reason. Like, really, who was that even for? I guess Mirza, because ultimately, he had his answer. He followed the giant to a rock, and then, when she lifted the boulder, the rock became a cave. The cave became a tunnel, out of which Mirza heard, Boys, I have found a good meal for you. Go make your repast on the two human beings and save a portion for me. Um, so, if you're on your way to devour travelers, no judgment, well, okay, some judgment, but if you're going to go do that, be smart about it. Or, if not smart, maybe be the smallest little bit observant about what's going on mere feet from your face. Mirza was waiting at the mouth of the cave, and as each of the seven brothers clambered out, their necks met his waiting sword. It was like hitting a clothesline, if the clothesline was a waiting sword that would behead you, right in front of a pile of your brother's bodies. The mother, hearing the sound of seven heads rolling back down the tunnel to meet her in the cave, looked up in shock to see Mirza standing there, sword in hand. He told her she would share the fate of her younglings.
Wake up! Older brother said as the middle brother kicked Mirza. Was he going to sleep until noon? Come on. They had places to be. They didn't, but the other brothers had gotten a solid nine hours while Mirza was out killing giants. So they were ready to get on the road. Mirza, as he dragged along behind them, really wished he hadn't removed the sleeping rings before his, you know, 30 minutes of rest. Okay, guys, I just, I can't, okay? Mirza said when they stopped at the foothills of the Black Mountain. The brothers said it was getting dark, it was a mountain, and nothing had happened the last two nights. So they were staying. A dragon and eight giants happened. So much stuff happened, Mirza pleaded, but the brothers weren't hearing it. If he wanted to continue on, stumbling along in the dead of night, trying to get around the mountain, he was welcome to. They, however, were staying. Mirza considered leaving them for a moment, but it was more dangerous to continue on, and they would absolutely die without him. 100%, no question. Worse yet, worse yet, it was his turn on watch. Despite him basically taking the watch on the last two nights when his brothers immediately fell asleep, he was the youngest. So the third night was his night. He sat, gazing out from the fire, and Mirza, having spent the previous two nights fighting monsters and not sleeping, fell asleep. Mirza woke up shivering. What? Wow, okay, maybe he did need to cut his brother some slack. It was easier than he thought to nod off on watch. Then, he looked to the fire. It wasn't just out, it was dead. Cinders as cold and as dark as the surrounding night were coated with ash and dew. Mirza grimaced. You didn't do this. Both brothers on the previous night had awoken to the fire still crackling after Mirza attended to it. If they woke up to the fire out, not only would they know he fell asleep after him accusing them of doing that, but they would never let him forget it. He searched his pockets. Ah, rats. The flint and steel were in the pockets of his sleeping brothers. Even though they slept through two monster attacks, he didn't want to risk it because this would be the time they woke up. Mirza stood. Well, actually, there hadn't been a monster yet. So maybe they were good? He squinted and, in the distance saw a light twinkling. Mirza made sure his brothers were covered and hidden and set off toward the light with a small pot to see if they could spare a few embers so he could relight his fire. As he passed by a hill, he saw a figure, only visible because his darkened silhouette stood out against the night sky. Mirza slowed. Um, hi? God's blessing rest upon you the figure cried, quite Gandalfy, more Gandalfy than that. Also, watch out for my balls. Mirza said, uh, what? Mirza could see a little bit better in the darkness and saw the figure point. He also saw the balls, the balls of black and white threads. I am time, the old man called back. Mirza said, uh, oh, okay, it's not that didn't believe the elderly man throwing balls of yarn out on the hillside, claiming to be the personification of time. I mean, he didn't, but he also had a lot of other stuff to do that night. The black ball signifies the night, which is near its end. As soon as it finishes, the morning breaks. Then I roll up the white ball, which represents the day, the old man continued, but 
Nirza wasn't exactly sure the man controlled the day and night, but rather just rolled balls of yarn down the hill and made himself feel important. Still, he had fought a seven-headed dragon and eight giants so far on this trip, so Mirza climbed the hill, snatched the black yarn from the elderly man's hand, bounced it down the hill, and, in the distance, the purple sky descended, once again, to a blue-black. What? Your time? Mirza was glad he harassed this elderly man. He apologized for extending the night, but kind of what did it matter to anyone? It wasn't like there were clocks yet. People would just get more sleep, and he really did need to save face with his brothers. Time, the elderly man, grumbled after Mirza. But Mirza continued on toward the light, still gleaming in the distance. Why'd it have to be giants? Mirza whispered to himself. The cave was more of a cavern. It would have to be to fit 40 sleeping giants. In the distance, at the far end of the cavern, Mirza could see the fireplace and the great cauldron with 40 handles. Now, okay, I've never forged a cauldron, but that seems like an excessive amount of handles. Like at that point, just affix a railing to the side of it. 40 people aren't going to be using this cauldron at once. Mirza, for his part, didn't sit around riffing on the ineffectiveness of the handle situation, and made straight for the fire. That bit about not waking a sleeping giant? Mirza was all about that. Too bad that, as he lifted the cauldron off the fire, and placed a few embers in his metal cup, and replaced the cauldron, not all the giants were sleeping. One laid there with one eye open, and when Mirza stole out of the cave, he woke his friends. Mirza knew he was being followed. It was a quiet night, and he had to get good at seeing threats in the darkness. Also, he was being followed by 40 giants who weren't super concerned with being sneaky. They quickly outpaced Mirza, filling the sky in front of him. The giant who watched him take the embers attacked, but Mirza was ready. His sword flashed in the moonlight, and fingers fell to the ground like acorns. Ow! the giant said, holding his hand. Who else wants what he got? Mirza spun, pointing his sword at the surrounding giants. No one! No one else wants that! A giant cried out. He was just trying to shake your hand! Mirza said, What? Yeah, the main giant winced, putting pressure on his hand to stop the bleeding. He told his friends how Mirza had been brave enough to stop by the cave and take some embers. Mirza was really cool. They just wanted him to join up and be one of their brothers. He was mad about his fingers, but this really only served to cement Mirza's reputation as a formidable, awesome dude. The giant winced again. Mirza was just so cool. Mirza said he kind of couldn't believe this, but oh, okay. They didn't want to kill him? For taking some embers? Why? Mirza explained the past couple of days he had, while he took some cloth from his shirt and bandaged the giant's fingers. Story time only helped make Mirza even cooler in their eyes. When they parted, with the sky once again turning purple, they vowed to come to one another's assistance in case of need. Mirza, though, didn't relax until he was safely out of the giant's midst. 
giants, while apparently very easily impressed, could be swayed by strong feelings or even perceived insults. A giant wouldn't remain a friend for long, and Mirza could only hope he never saw those giants again. He blew on the ember as he ran back to camp. We'll see the giants return to make good on Mirza's oath, but that will, once again, be right after this. Mirza had, by this point, given up trying to convince his brothers to follow the father's advice. So, when they stopped by the city of the King of the Black Mountain, he just gave up. Luckily, they were in the meadow outside the city, and while not safe, it was better near the city. The boys didn't have money for an inn, and they arrived at the city too late anyway. It was shut for the night. So they camped there in the field, and Mirza, having gotten enough sleep the night before, agreed to go on watch again. Mirza! A voice accompanied by a familiar, bandaged hand waved in the distance. Mirza looked. Oh, hey, giant bros. Why were the 40 giants holding iron spikes? They explained that well. The king of the city had three daughters that they had been trying to woo in the folklore sense of the word, so kidnap. But the king was pretty adamant about not wanting his daughters to be kidnapped by giants, so he always locked the city. They brought iron spikes so they could climb up the walls, stomp the city, and take the princesses. The giant then had an idea. He needed aid. That's what they swore the previous night. What did Mirza say? Did he want to kidnap some princesses with them? Mirza bobbed his head back and forth. Well, the giant <laughs> chuckled. Just the mere thought of Mirza going back on his sacred promise began to fill him and likely his giant brethren, with a murderous, unquenchable rage. Mirza should probably give an answer soon, before it overwhelms them all. Mirza said, well, it wasn't that he didn't want to help them. He did, it was just their plan. The giants looked at each other. What was wrong with their plan? Mirza started laying it out. Well, I mean, they were going to put themselves in such a vulnerable position, climbing the wall. The watchers in the wall could cut them down in a second, just push them off. They had the high ground. Did the giants want to end up limbless in a puddle of lava? The giant said that that was a specific outcome, but yeah, he did make a good point. Okay, rage subsiding. What did he have in mind? The plan was that Mirza would leap up the iron rods stuck in the wall, sneak down, and unlock the gate. That way, they could take the city by surprise. By the time they were inside... It would be over. That was how the people awoke to pure chaos, with the 40 heads of the giants arrayed atop the walls. Hey, so, weird question, the oldest brother said to Mirza when he was looking through the cooking supplies. Why did Mirza have several bags full of ears? He thought they were mushrooms at first, and he nibbled on a few. They were not mushrooms. And did that have anything to do with the heads of the giants on the city walls that were all missing their ears? Mirza said no, his bag was an unrelated thing. 
It definitely wasn't that he opened the gate for the giants and cut their heads off one by one like he did the others in the cave, and for some reason they kept walking into the city. Oh, okay, the oldest brother said. It's just that we have some guys here asking if they know anything about the people who killed the giants, and it made me remember the ear thing. But you pretty clearly said that it was unrelated, through that detailed story of what it wasn't, the older brother said. I did it, the middle brother declared. Oh, cool, do you have proof that you did it? The king's men asked, because a lot of people are back in the city are saying they did it, but nobody can prove it. The middle brother looked sideways. Oh, proof, no. I did it, the older brother called out. The king's men said, did, okay, did he have proof? I have a confession to make, the older brother said. You, you didn't do it. Yeah, we're caught up. The king's men looked to Mirza with his bags of ears. Mirza said he had literal pounds of proof. Could they help him to the city? It wasn't just the bags of ears, romantic as that was. Mirza had made a necklace from the jewels and the heads of the seven-headed dragon and placed it under the pillow of one of the princesses. He also stole the dagger of the sleeping king and wore it on his belt. He was very obviously the guy. Since Mirza saved the kingdom from the host of giants that were constantly hassling it, it was a fairy tale deal. The older brother would marry the oldest princess, the middle of the middle, and Mirza would marry the youngest. Finally, the three princes would have a kingdom of their own, and they all lived happily ever. We hate you, the three princesses informed the three brothers. After their wedding, Mirza said that that was unfortunate. They would learn to love the princes in time. You're nothing like our boyfriend, the three princesses said, once again, in unison, and that made it a little creepy. Mirza looked to the other two. Wait, did they each have a boyfriend? Lover, the princesses corrected. They all had the same lover, as the story says. His name is Roaring Giant. Mirza grimaced. That, that was a lot to unpack. Do you think what you did was impressive? The youngest princess, Mirza's wife, said to him. Killing 40 giants? Mirza said, technically 48 if we're all keeping count. Plus a dragon. We have our lover, upon whose breast roses and lilies grow. Mirza's new wife said to him. Mirza furrowed his brow. What, that, what does that even mean? Was, is he an ent? Was it supposed to be impressive that roses grew on his chest? If you are men of valor, go fight Roaring Giant, our lover. If you overcome him, we are yours. But not until you do so. The princesses retired to their respective bridal chambers and locked the doors behind them. Um, so... If your new spouse wants you to go fight their ex for their love, that's not a healthy relationship. That's a trap. That being said, they didn't seem to want to get married, and the story didn't seem to take that into account. There's a lot of blame to go around. Probably best to just walk away. And that's what Mirza did, though not to find someone who actually wanted to be with him. He took the bait. He was feeling like rounding out his giant kills to a nice, even number. He told his brothers to pretend like they consummated the marriage and to not tell anyone about Roaring Giant. Mirza would take care of everything. Again. Okay, look. 
Mirza rubbed his forehead. He was super sorry the fair maiden and her two sisters, the princesses of India, apparently, had been kidnapped by the giants of the white, red, and black castles, and that they hadn't seen another human for seven years. He really was. He was very anti-giant abduction, but honestly, he had to set some boundaries here. He was looking for Roaring Giant. Did she know where to find him? The maiden in the White Castle did, but not White Castle. Just caught that. She's not getting like a Crave case. Mirza perked up. Roaring Giant is past the lands of the Giant of the Red Castle and the Giant of the Black Castle, she informed him. His shoulders drooped. Mirza said he was so, so sick of this. Ho, 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 who goes there? Is that the smell of a human? He heard the white giant bellow. Mirza cowered. Oh, no, please don't get close enough to attack and eat me. And boom, beheaded. As the giant was relishing the young man's fear, Mirza was waiting for a chance to strike. And with a swipe, the giant ended up like so many of the others with his head rolling on the ground. Hey, you weren't like with him, right? Or any other guys that someone seeking your hand in marriage would have to fight? Mirza asked as he punted the giant's head. The princess said, what? No, that's not a healthy relationship. Oh my gosh, you don't know the half of it. Uh, sweet, you want to get married to my old brother? The princess said, sure. Was he single? Mirza bobbed his head back and forth. Kind of? He was technically married, but Mirza said it probably wasn't going to work out on account of her actively trying to murder him. Mirza, looking on the corpse of the red giant, had to admit he was getting kind of good at this. The giant of the red castle had just been gloating, laughing, and saying that they would see who would be the morsel, he or Mirza. Mirza didn't point out that he in no way wanted to eat the giant, but it was a moot point. In a few moments, when the giant turned into a mini-volcano, not sure what the giant of the Red Castle's endgame was, because Mirza leapt on top of him, shoved his sword in the hole, and stirred. The story does not shy away from graphic violence, when it says that Mirza just pulled out the giant's intestines from the hole in the top. The princess of the Red Castle, ignoring the giant organ bits clinging to Mirza when she embraced him, kissing him, and saying that she would be his handmaid. Mirza bent down on one knee and produced a ring, saying no, she would be his wife, if she would have him. The story describes the princess of the Red Castle as, quote, more beautiful than the sun. For all of us who have looked up at the sun and thought, hey there, good looking. Mirza couldn't stay with his betrothed, though. He had already beaten the giant of the Black Castle and betrothed her to his middle brother. He had a quest to finish. The Roaring Giant, the lover of the three princesses, was terrible. Just his voice was enough to level a forest. He had the strength of the 50-something giants Mirza had already killed combined. And the Roaring Giant paused. Wait. Wow, his apartment looked fantastic. Yeah, someone had broken in to clean. Mirza emerged sheepishly, waving hi. Mirza, he was just a lost traveler who got separated from his group in this terrifying land. 
Could he maybe serve the giant in exchange for a place to sleep and maybe not getting eaten? The giant, I mean, he totally would have eaten Mirza, but man, this kid took the books down and dusted the bookshelf. He weeded and pruned the garden. He got the gunk off the backsplash. He organized the basement, sorting all the body parts down there. Yeah, totally. This guy could stay here and clean. Mirza said thank you. He would cook and serve in any other way. And Mirza did. For like months, the roaring giant was amazed at how hard this kid worked and found having a clean castle and nutritious meals was really great for his mental and physical health. He even prepared the giant's favorite vegetarian dishes. But these are people, Mirza said the first time he saw the giant bring back the meat. I thought you said vegetarian dishes. Uh, yeah, the, the people were vegetarians. It's, it's important to me that I only eat cage-free, vegetarian-fed meat. What did you think I meant? The roaring giant asked. Mirza said, never mind. Then, one day, the giant announced that they were having guests. They were out by the pond, and Mirza looked up with a gasp. How long had that been there? The roaring giant looked up to his bow and three arrows. Um, always? Mirza climbed up the stairs and then the wall to get the bow and arrows down. The roaring giant asked what he was doing, and Mirza said, look at this thing. It was so dusty, he was just going to hit it with some like lemon pledge. That should bring the shine right out. The giant shrugged and reclined by the pond, interlacing his fingers behind his head. Well, when Mirza was finished, he should prepare the garden for when the giant's lovers came. It was then that roaring giant felt feet on his chest and heard the sound of a bow drawing back. Alas, the giant cried out. Not what I would say if I was staring up at someone aiming an arrow at my neck. Nay, I have come expressly to take your life, Mirza said, and let the arrow fly. It, quote, nailed Roaring Giant to the ground. As the giant's life slowly left him, Mirza cocked his head. Wait, lovers? Okay, Mirza, sorry, this is a lot. The king of the Black Mountain, Mirza's father-in-law, said to him at the trial, after he returned home, and also demanded that the princesses be put on trial. The king said, to recap, you're saying that my daughters flew to the roaring giant's castle in the form of turtle doves, dove into the water, emerged, saw that you killed him with an arrow that you pledged to with a lemon? That, that was a joke, that part's not relevant. Mirza said, but whatever. Then when they saw you emerged, you grabbed them by their dresses as they ran into the water, but they made it, came out as turtle doves and flew home, the king said. And then Mirza returned weeks later with three separate women and camels and camels of treasure. Was that right? Mirza nodded. Yep, that's about it. He asked his wife and his sisters-in-law, had he seen any of them since his return? They grimaced. Ew, no. The king sighed, um, okay, no, all of this is, frankly, ridiculous. I'm sorry, I like you, Mirza, but I'm not going to have my daughters, what was it that you wanted, dragged behind horses with their hair until they're dead because you claim to see them turning into turtle doves? Mirza nodded, okay then, how did he get these? He held up three scraps of cloth. The king gasped, wait, what are those? 
Mirza explained that these three scraps were from the dresses of the princesses. He cut them when they were at the castle of the Roaring Giant. The king trembled as his hand covered his mouth. His girls, they were monsters. Death! Death! The fact that Mirza had motive, means, and opportunity to simply walk into his wife's closet and cut some fabric from her dress didn't concern the king. As much as the last-minute dramatic courtroom reveal, he pronounced the princesses guilty and Mirza's recommended punishment as, quote, an example to womanhood in the kingdom, which, big yikes, was accepted. They were dragged behind the horses with their hair until they died. The king adopted the three princesses that Mirza met on his journey, and the newly single brothers married them. I wish there was a way to wrap this up neatly. I'm not saying the original brides were right to send their husbands on a deadly quest. That being said, Mirza did defeat the Roaring Giant. But instead of coming back and trying to make the marriage work, the marriage that he wanted and forced them into, he brought back his new girlfriend and had them executed. Kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth regarding Mirza, who, yeah, did slay 52 giants, but all but maybe two or three of those were just not warning giants when they were about to walk into a sword. Still, more giants than I've encountered, so I suppose he does deserve some recognition there. Next week, we're back in Welsh folklore with way too many fetch quests. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of bacon bandages, bandages that look like tiny strips of bacon, you can get ad-free and bonus episodes. That, sadly, don't give the look of tiny strips of bacon draped all over your body. Check out mythpodcast.com membership or find us on Apple Podcasts for more info on the membership. The creature this week is Corpse Swallower, from Norse Myth. If you've ever felt the wind, and I mean, I hope you have, if you're listening to this in like a bunker or something, it's probably okay to come out. Unless this is far into the future and there was a zombie apocalypse or something, then maybe use your own judgment on that. Um, anyway, if you felt the wind, you felt Hres Velger's work. And also watch out because it might eat your flesh. Described in some places as a Jotun, or a giant, in the shape of an eagle, I picture Hreisvelger as like a giant Norse big bird that, like I said, swallows corpses. But unlike pretty much every other time you've heard of the honorific corpse swallower in your life, Hreisvelger isn't a bad guy. Apparently, in the far north, it was often difficult to bury bodies to a necessary depth because of the frozen ground. So, as an alternative to cremation, Sometimes people would leave the bodies out, maybe on a mountaintop or something. The wind and the animals would help, quote, deflesh the body. Called sky burials in parts of Asia, I read that it's possible that people did it in Scandinavia, and thus I guess that's the potential etymology for Heisvelger being called corpse swallower. Because his giant wings flapping created the winter winds. So yeah, just think about that when you feel the cool winter wind on your skin. Big Bird devouring Viking corpses. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hold up. 